Hi everybody, friends, welcome back to yet another week of Professor Pastor Paul's Midweek Bible Festival. Good to see you all. This week our reading, our text comes from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 15, verse 34, through chapter 16, verse 13. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house in Gibeah of Saul. Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death. But Samuel grieved over Saul, and the Lord was sorry that he had made Saul king over Israel. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? He said peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but uh, the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, Oh, yes, there remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Rabbah. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. That's how to say it. So, last week we talked about the drama in the garden. Do you remember the drama in the garden? How the serpent tricked Eve and she ate. How Adam and Eve became aware of their nakedness and feared God. They were ashamed. And they hid. We talked about how they blamed one another and pointed fingers at one another. How our fundamental relationships were broken. And how communion with God, creation, and one another was lost. That story really is a lot, isn't it? At the end of last week's study, I said that most of the rest of Scripture is Israel's account of how God has worked through history to draw us back into communion with ourselves, with creation, and with God. Scripture is an account of how God has worked through history to set things right, to reconcile. First, God worked from Noah, then through Abraham and his family. The idea is that though through Israel, the whole world should be saved. And of course, the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is a part of that. But we're still in Samuel, a thousand years before that. Today's episode finds us early in the history of Israel as a nation. Israel wanted a king, remember? They wanted a king. They were tired of all the judges. They wanted a king, and they got one. Saul, who was very wise, and apparently very tall, quite good-looking, well-dressed, but who eventually went bad. And the Lord was sorry that he had made Saul king over Israel. This is what happens in actual life, is it not? Nothing is simple, clean, and without trouble. The Lord was sorry that he had made Saul king over Israel. Reconciliation, which is what this is about, is a hard road. There is no shortage of cliches. Two steps up, one step back. It's a hit and miss affair. It's very, very trial and error. The Lord was sorry he had made Saul king over Israel. So there has been an error, and now it's time for a new trial. This one involves the prophet Samuel and the choosing of the second king of Israel. The Lord's got a plan. The Lord's got a plan, and Samuel is part of it. He tells Samuel to take some anointing oil and head to Bethlehem, where a man named Jesse sits among the elders. Jesse's kind of a civic leader there in Bethlehem. He's worried that Saul might find out and that he might not be received well. He's afraid that the people are not going to receive him well. Maybe that's because Samuel is a prophet and prophets are only loved after they die. Right? No one likes a prophet when they are prophesying. Maybe their family. But nobody loves a prophet when they're speaking the truth. In any case, because of his fear of Saul, because of his fear of the people, he, take, he takes a heifer with him and says he's going to go there to make her sacrifice, which he does. Not a lot. He's going to make a sacrifice, but he's also going to find the new king of Israel. But the sacrifice is the cover. So he goes, and he performs the sacrifice too. He takes Jesse and his seven sons along with him. 
Jesse and his sons sanctify themselves and head off to the place of sacrifice with Samuel. I think sanctify themselves basically means make themselves ritually clean and ready to go to the place of sacrifice. Now, after the sacrifice, in that place, Samuel considers the seven sons of Jesse. The Lord has told him, after all, that one of these folks will be king. And then a kind of runaway thing happens. The boys walk before Samuel, one after the other, to be considered for kingship. Samuel gets an eyeful of each one and asks God, asks the Lord, what do you say? The first, Eliab, is good-looking and really tall, just like Saul was, apparently. And Samuel figures, yeah, this is the first kid, this is number one. The tall, beautiful one, first son, the firstborn son, this is the one. But the Lord's got other ideas and tells Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance. But the Lord looks on the heart. The Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance. But the Lord looks on the heart. Boy, howdy. If there isn't a sermon or three or twelve in those words. Our perception of the world is generally shallow. Generally superficial. Generally illusory. We are an easily distracted species. Look how tall and handsome he is. He must be the one. We look through a glass darkly, as the good apostle says. But God sees the heart. God sees face to face. One might say that the essence of the Christian life is to learn to see more and more as God sees. Samuel saw a beautiful son, a beautiful boy, tall boy, and thought, that's it. But Samuel was not seeing as God sees, and Eliab is rejected. Next comes number two, Abinadab. And then number three, Shammah. Neither has the Lord chosen these, says the Lord to Samuel. And then four more, Take the walk down the runway before the prophet. The seventh might have been the most promising. Maybe Samuel was looking forward to number seven because in Israel at this time, seventh sons were considered to be specially blessed. Maybe it's the seventh. Seventh sons were considered to be specially blessed. But no, not even special number seven was the Lord's chosen. Parenthetically, as a little side note, our text does not name the last four sons. First Chronicles names all the sons of Jesse, but First Chronicles only names seven of them, and David's the last. But in our text, for Samuel, there are eight, and only four of them are named, the oldest three and David. So, Samuel is over seven. Over seven. And he is flummoxed. What's going on? The Lord has not chosen any of these seven, he says to Jesse, or all of your sons here. 
And then Jesse says something like, oh yeah, you know, come to think of it, I kind of forgot, kind of overlooked, didn't think it was important. There is David, the little one, but he's the youngest, smallest, out of the sheep. You know what happens. Samuel says, bring him here. David shows up and he's short, but he's good looking. Ruddy hair, beautiful eyes, etc. And this last and least of Jesse's sons is, of course, the big winner. The king of Israel. And right there and then, as all the older and certainly jealous brothers stand around watching, Jesse anoints him. At that moment, the spirit of the Lord came to rest mightily upon David. And one is reminded of the twelve sons of Jacob. And the youngest, Joseph, hated by his brothers, chosen by God to save that family. God looks to the unexpected, the least, the last. That's who God works through over and over and over again in Scripture. The Lord works through the unexpected people, unexpected events, unexpected circumstances. The Lord operates in this world through the small people, the sideline people, the forgotten people, the unlikely people, the invisible people. That's who David was. The Lord speaks through them and acts through them and changes the world through these people. It is a fact that we often overlook. This fact we often overlook precisely because these are the people that we overlook. We think they don't count if we think of them at all. Orphans, widows, prisoners, the poor, the young, the old, the sick, homosexuals, transgender people, addicts, racial and religious minorities, those who cannot support themselves, those who are forgotten, those who Jesus called the least of these. David was not even brought into the show when Jesse was told to go get all of his sons. David was forgotten, shunned. Certainly Samuel would not care for David. David didn't matter. Those who Jesus called the least of these matter. They live and move outside of our circle of belonging, but this is our choice and our loss. In the eyes of God, who looks not to the surfaces, but to the heart, these are the favored ones. They are nothing less than kings and queens, the poor, the sick, orphans, the old, prisoners, transgender people, addicts, religious minorities, homeless, nothing less than kings and it is through them that God heals the world and restores communion, which is God's 
work in the world through us, but also through those we have forgotten who are invisible, the Davids of the world, the kings and queens. Who are these people in your life? Who have you overlooked? Who have I overlooked? Who have we forgotten? As we go about our week, let our prayer be, let my prayer be, that God might reveal them to us, these people, through whom God works, whom God favors. That God might reveal them to us so that we can see them as God sees them. And love them as God loves them. And honor them as God honors them. They are nothing less than kings and queens. Amen. See you next week, friends.